Well, good morning, good day, good evening. My name is Jill, and these are sort of my journals out loud. And we're just going to take a deep breath. Today is November 2nd, 2023. And uh, I posted last a few days ago uh, some pictures of where I am. So if you haven't got a chance to look, you can get a sense of what the barren desert looks like. And I wanted to record this today. It's Thursday. And normally, you know, I do this on Friday. One, the dogs are quiet. Two, the wind has stopped. And three, uh, I am in a state of overwhelm in terms of there's been so many things building up that I want to talk about. But I also am trying to focus and not just blurt on a whole bunch of subjects. So if you're new, uh, this has normally been what I call wired for danger talking about our nervous system, how we respond to danger as a primary default, uh, running through the filter that I have, because that's what I understand best, both personally and professionally. I am a licensed therapist in terms of the fight response. My theory has emerged that we all have a primary default to our nervous system, and that affects how we respond to danger. And We're moving into a time where there is just ever-increasing amounts of danger at levels that we can't really do anything about. And as much as I want to talk about some of that, I want to take a step back and just do some of the housekeeping and the update, personal updates. And uh, this is the beginning of the month, so... Traditionally, I just ask for any kind of support people would like to participate in. There should be links on the posting. Uh, If you're listening to this in a podcast player, if you go to jillsjournals.com, there are links for either straight donation. I have uh, my two ebooks listed. Or you can join Substack uh, at a monthly or annual rate. And I know that's extremely difficult right now. I've actually been spending a lot of time kind of looking around what other people are doing. And my gut instinct was right. Substack has exploded. I cannot believe how many people are on Substack. You know, my instincts are right, but I have not exploded. I am carrying, you know, the same amount of people that I have been for over a year. Uh, And it's just under 100. I have a tiny little audience that you guys have been so incredible because one of the things that I've noticed over time is it's usually 0.05 less percent. So whatever number of subscribers or people engaged with you have ever contribute. And I totally get that. You know, to me, it's a luxury to be able to support and invest in people who are creating content because it doesn't feel like a, especially, you know, entertainment, it doesn't feel like it's a necessity. You know, food, water, for me right now, gas, that's all my money is going to gas because I'm in traveling mode. And it it's a luxury. And so for those of you who have uh, been investing in me in this process, uh, I am just deeply, deeply, deeply grateful for you because, well, my cost of loving, living is almost nothing. Uh, the reality is that life is not free. So I just want to say thank you to all of you who have invested with me, you know, these last few years. And In addition, it's a miracle that anybody is here listening at all. I don't know how anybody decides what they want to listen to, because even if you have an idea or a topic that you're interested in, there's so many people putting out their perspective and their beliefs and their ideas and their art and their voice and their experience and their story, it is overwhelming to sort through all that. And what I think makes it fascinating is now most people are finding content on their phone. It's a tiny little screen 
that is extremely difficult, I find, to read. Uh, so one of the reasons I like to post pictures and just a little bit of writing is because I cannot sit and read unless I'm super focused and have a lot of time. Densely written information on my tiny little phone. I don't know what your experience is. You know, I prefer the audio because I can do other things and I don't have to look at it. But we are, I've talked about this over and over. We are overwhelmed with information. And part of that filters into exactly, you know, what I've been trying to talk about for these last, uh, you know, year and a half here is how it affects our nervous system and how it creates a fear response. And right now, you know, there's this tremendous drumbeat for war going on. Uh, tomorrow morning is Friday, and at 3 o'clock uh, in the Middle East time, you know, the, the Hezbollah representatives are getting ready to make a declaration, and I have seen it referenced as uh, the resistance axis or the axis of resistance. All the countries that hate Israel, the United States, and Western civilization. So the lines are being divided. You know, I've talked about hate recently in a podcast, and hate stems from fear. You have fear, anger, hate uh, down the continuum, and that is a nervous system response. It is a defense. It is a protection. You know, the essence of our nervous system, our sympathetic nervous system, is to protect whether we do that by fighting, whether we do that by running away, whether we do that by freezing up. Most of us default into all three without spending a lot of time thinking about it. And that's what uh, those who seek to control count on not thinking about it. But statistically, most of us, most humans are not wired to want to think about it, to want to care. I think the recent statistic I heard is just on a curiosity, which if you're not curious, you don't really care about any of this stuff, is only about 30% of people have any curiosity in terms of engaging with uh, the other or with information, seeking to ask questions, seeking to understand, wanting to know more. And, you know, my theory is a lot of that probably gets squashed as children because, you know, when parents are tired or overwhelmed or they aren't curious, and in a world where there's an infinite amount of distraction, uh, they don't encourage the curiosity because it's a lot of work. Anybody who's had a very intelligent, curious child knows uh, and it takes a lot of work to address that curiosity. And now, so, you know, for those who don't want it, it gets, you know, crushed. You know, they've done studies with children in schools. If you tell the teacher this is a highly exceptional, intelligent group of students, the, the students do higher than average, even though going into that classroom, they were average. Same thing, you tell the teacher the students are below average and they actually get less uh, intelligent or less, uh, you know, they, they retain or are less productive in terms of what they learn. So we, we contribute to the state of curiosity, but we've entered this period now where it's a very bombastic attack. So even if you ask a question, if you, if you, express anything but total agreement with what's being given to you, you can just be full-on attack mode. Nervous system response, defense, your point of view is threatening my point of view. My safety feels at risk. So I'm going to attack you. I'm going to tune out. I'm going to run away from you. Uh, I'm going to just freeze up and disassociate and go tend to my garden. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of responses, but when you boil everything down, it really bases, you know, these three ideas of, of push, pull, pause, right? Moving towards the information, moving away, or just freezing up and not wanting to deal with it. And where, you know, I'm hoping that through these conversations, you can make the shift is... See, I already defaulted into explaining, Ugh. but 
the shift is when you can understand what's important is not what's being said. The idea is less important than your ability to understand how you are responding to the idea. And that's where the mastery comes in, where you let go of the idea itself and focus on who you are in response to the idea. Because almost everything that's happening at a public and promoted level is a manipulation of our nervous system. Uh, I was listening to, you know, the top three dudes, right? And most of us don't like any of them. Uh, You know, if I say the word Alex Jones, you know, the people go into a collapse state. He is all push. He is all bombasticness. Uh, He is an assault on your nervous system. A lot of people can't listen to him because he's so aggressive in his delivery, but it was some kind of clip situation, and then they transitioned into Joe Rogan and Elon Musk, and it was like all the energy got sucked out of the room. So, you know, I was sitting here doing my little coffee thing, and I'm listening, and there, you know, Alex Jones is all push, and then Elon Musk and Joe Rogan are having a conversation. I guess it was a podcast. I haven't seen it. I can't stand any of them. So, uh, but it was like all the energy got sucked out of the room, and it was a vacuum of energy talking about the same topic. So you've got all, you have, and I was thinking, and why that clicked for me is that uh, Alex Jones had been talking about behind the scenes, Joe Rogan and Elon Musk have told, told him to get away now, go away, your part is done, we're taking over, we're better at communicating the information. Uh, and that may be true, but everything they're doing is that neuro-linguistic programming delivery, meaning they're attempting to bring in information in a way that is, again, highly manipulative. And just feeling not the content itself, but the energy of the exchange, you can feel how different it is. And so when we put all our energy into what's being said, we're missing the more important subtlety underneath of the push-pull-pause experience. Someone trying to intentionally move you in a direction. And to want to do that, you have to be curious. You have to be more committed to understanding yourself within the process of all of this than in the idea or the outcome. And, you know, 99% of people will never want to do that. Hence, you know, there's not much growth in my world because everything I'm talking about is personal responsibility, mastering ourself, not being able to do anything about what's going on out in the world, but understanding who we are in relationship to it and wanting to grow as human into a state of mastery with it. And you know, the next question will be, well, who cares, right? If I don't have enough food, who cares? If I can't take care of my family, who cares? And, you know, that's a very difficult process. And the reality is, is that we have been so comfortable for so long in the Western world we don't really understand a lot of what's going to be happening to us because uh, even our people who are prepper survival people, you know, thinking that they are gearing up for the end of the world, have zero understanding that what I observe is, is the dynamics of human, of the dynamics of actual war. You know, we're just, we've seen too many movies, we've watched too many TV shows, uh, too many people are on YouTube spouting about their expertise uh, and telling people, you know, what they want to hear because that gets views. Uh, you know, I don't tell you what you want to hear and that is not something that people want to invest in. But the irony is that to me, 
the essence of truth has always been in the willingness to look at what I don't want to be true. And it's only when I confront that uncomfortable energy of here's an idea I don't like or a person I don't like or an experience I don't like and I'm uncomfortable in it. What is it that I'm, what's the message I'm missing because I'm caught up in the discomfort? So when we can be pushed around with the energy of avoiding the discomfort and of and feeling secure and safe again, we're missing all the good stuff that's here for us at a personal level. And without that inner curiosity of wanting to know more, we'll never get there. And that's a very difficult conversation. And even, you know, I didn't even want to talk about, this isn't what I was going to talk about. I just continuously descend into these explanations. And I'm like, why do I keep doing that? Because it's not, this isn't even the appropriate forum for this. But, you know, these are the things that I journal about. These are the things on my mind. These are the things that I think are most important. Even though, like you, you know, I need food, gas, water, you know, I need money to put gas in my tank. I have this friend who's so delusional. She'll say, oh, you can barter for gas. I'm like, you can't barter for gas. I mean, the guy who buys the gas needs cash to buy the gas, not me to go in and barter for gas. So it's, you know, we're just all caught up in these crazy ideas. And to me, that's always been the essence of this process and this journey is the balance of the practicality of survival, the realities, because you can be uh, regardless of what your world looks like, you still have to eat, you still need shelter, you still need water, you need some degree of safety, and then whatever else you tend to want to put your time and energy in. And most of us have not had the experience of having our core survival threatened. We're operating under this idea we're prepared and so some people, you know, have, like myself, have invested time, energy, money into preparing for survival. But most people don't. And so we put all our time and energy into these entertainment, into distraction, into work, success, goals, you know, things like that. And, you know, and some of it is spiritual, some of it's mental, some of it's emotional. But the physical realities of survival of human, that's true for all of us. And Lucky us in the Western world have not had to deal with that. I think we're coming up on a time where we will have to deal with it. But it's been an idea. It's been a theory. Uh, and it is the core fear. The core, you know, the, the nervous system was established not to keep you mentally, emotionally, or spiritually safe. The, the nervous system was established to keep your body safe in the world, it's a biological functional tool to help us navigate survival, but it becomes something that we use for better or for worse for our mental, emotional, and spiritual processes. And so all of that is me, you know, wandering off the path of where we're going here. So Let's just take a moment and refocus because that what I just said to you is not interesting to 99.999% of the people. What I just said to you is one of the most important core truths that we as human and spirit are here to understand. And the problem with everything I just said to you is it's nobody else's job to make any of that okay. It's nobody is responsible. We are not entitled to food, shelter, and water. Uh, we are uh, not entitled to perfect happiness. We are not entitled to spiritual perfection in, in body and world. We're here trying to do a lot of things at one time at a moment where our capacity to be distracted and entertained and manipulated has really been taken to all new levels of highs and lows. 
And so as we enter, you know, on the eve of today until, you know, the future, because we are like severely marching at this point into World War III. I mean, I believe it started, you know, in March of, or in December, January of 2019, 2020, when the whole, uh, biological weapon was released or whatever happened there. Uh, you know, the Chinese said, you know, you soften up the enemy. You, you, uh, we create disease to create weakness uh, before we attack. So we're, you know, as humans and as Americans and, you know, Western civilization, most of us are soft and are not strategic and are not understanding what real war is. And you see that, you know, going on in the media level right now. But we're in war and it's about to get a lot worse. And uh, we may have prepared for survival, but I don't think there's any real preparation for war itself until you're in the experience. And even in the military, it's not a real preparation because you have support services. You just uh, are part of a unit. You know, somebody's back there cooking your food and washing your laundry. Uh, You're not hanging out in the middle of nowhere with no uh, support or clue as to what's happening. You know, other countries understand this who've been part of war for centuries. Us in America, no. And so we can't really prepare for something that we don't understand. But again, you know, one of the reasons I'm talking about this is that, yeah, you know, when I talk about Wired for Danger, part of it is that's who I am. You know, I'm trying to understand that. But for all of us, it's not even just about understanding ourselves. It's about understanding others. It's understanding how we are being manipulated through perceived danger, which activates fear, which activates our nervous system, which then becomes a hijack, a way to control us. Because The fear response is the stress response, and that is the dominant response in an emergency because that's the crisis. That's the moment. Uh, You know, the boring stuff, your body isn't on alert, but the crisis, everything floods, everything goes into high gear. And the more we understand ourselves, the more we understand how our chain is getting yanked the better we're going to do in this process because all the supplies in the world, all the guns, all the ammunition, blah, 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 all the defenses that are physical, they don't do anything to keep our body maintained and managed. Uh, And that is, you know, it's a psychological, mental and emotional process to manage the physical response of our nervous system. It takes great mastery to understand and manage it within crises, especially, you know, without the protection of a safe training environment. You know, most of us are going to be just thrown into all of this stuff. And it doesn't mean you don't react. It doesn't mean you don't get angry. It doesn't mean you don't shut down. It doesn't mean you don't run away. But the more we can understand ourselves within this process, the better we're going to be able to function. And that's, to me, the scary part, because it isn't about, you can't, we, we can't stop. I know I was, there's some people from Canada here. Funny story. So I had met this couple when I was in Yuma last year. They're from Canada. And so we're, uh, I you know, I'm outside of Oatman in this little spot. And I'm out there doing the dishes or something, and I see two people walking, and they're both, I think they're 75, they're very thin and tall, uh, and they do a lot of walking, and I see this couple, you know, in the distance, and I can't see their faces because I don't have glasses on, I just, but I see their bodies, and I'm like, oh, look at that, that's the couple that I met last year, I really liked them, they're super interesting, they've been, they spent 25 years on a boat that he had built, uh, you know, sailing around the world several times really interesting couple, but, uh, what are the odds, right? We're laughing like, what are, and they didn't even see me. They were just walking. And I, uh, spent some time talking to them yesterday and they're from Canada. And, uh, you know, I was making the comment, it's extremely difficult to be in a country where your leadership is out of its mind and out of control, marching us into a war, plural, I guess, 
and not feel like you can do anything about it. And I could see at that point we were moving into some political uh, issues. But but the you know her making the comment that she just doesn't want to know. She just doesn't want to know, and she'll just deal with it. And she is wired for danger. He's more the support person to her push. She pushed them into travel. I mean, he wanted to go, but she's the push person. That's why I liked her so much. And uh, and she's very much wired for danger. But she's doesn't want to know about any of this stuff. And you know her kids are back in Canada. And I said, well, you know what would you do? And she goes, well, we would just be here. And she's okay with that. So it's just because you're wired for danger doesn't mean you're interested in the fight. Her push is applied to exploring the world, to dealing with the uncertainty and the crisis, but not knowing about the political crises ahead of time. Uh, or medical crises ahead of time. So we all have a different way of engaging in this world, but our responses are consistent. You know, the push-pull-pause within us is consistent. And that's my, you know, my hope as I've been trying to do this with you, not because I'm perfect or you're perfect or we're supposed to be perfectly, you know, able to manage all of this like a superhero in the movies. Uh, you know, lots of meltdowns we'll have, lots of of collapse, lots of tears, lots of anger. But I believe the more we understand what's happening, the better we are able to manage it as an experience and the more we can take away from it as a spirit who is here to learn, not just be safe and comfortable. And not everybody comes from that perspective. You know, most of us are uh, only interested in the world that's out and around us. I mean, not if you're listening to me, clearly not you, but most people just want to get lost in the ideas that they're not responsible for, they're not accountable for. But, you know, things like responsibility and accountability, while wildly unsexy, are the essence of our experience, both as human and spirit. And, you know, I've never found a way to talk about that. You know, I've never, that's interesting. You know, I've never found anybody that's interested in the truths they don't want to know. All this information we have, all this resistance to everybody else's ideas but our own, right? The fame, this, the quote or the way I hear people say it over and over, uh, I agree with some of you, but I don't agree with everything. This constant delineation of uh, you can't be right, I'm right, but I'm going to give you this tiny little window. Ugh, the dogs are activating. Uh, is exhausting, you know, it's exhausting trying to talk to people. It's just, you know, it's what's going on is exhausting. The complexity, the amount of information. So, you know, again, when I was looking at what everybody's doing and everybody's putting their stuff out and everybody, there's so many people, not everybody, so many people. And I'm thinking about just the people who aren't creating comment content, you know, the people who are just trying to take in their information versus not focused on pushing their ideas out. You know, I'm pushing my ideas out into the world. And most people who consume other people's ideas aren't people who push. They're people who are listening, uh, trying to learn and understand. And and I was thinking, it is amazing that I have anybody listening to any of this for any reason ever, because, especially more than once, because what is it? The average attention span is four seconds. There's no way to get into a podcast without investing the process of listening to at least one whole podcast. You know, a video, I think that the, the when I left, or at least several years ago, it was, you had four seconds to capture somebody's intent, attention. Uh, you know, there's still people who read books, but before the internet, the book statistics were 90% of people who buy a book don't read past the first chapter. Uh, and of those 10% who, who do read 
Oh, maybe that was So 90% don't even get past the first page. Of the 10% who read, only 10% of those read the whole book or get past that first page and a first chapter or something like that. But it was shocking. But 90% of people who buy a book never read it. And that is shocking. And, and it, you know, it makes me wonder, like, who is actually paying attention to all of this. And then you've got, you know, like this guy like Joe Rogan, who's doing three, four, five hour podcasts. And my question is, who's got time to sit and watch three or four hours of video of some guy smoking and drinking? I think he just smokes cigars, right? I doubt he smokes. And, and just being... I, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on with him. You know, I used to think that about Howard Stern. It's like, who has the time to sit and listen to these never ending dialogues about nothing? But that's the reality of who we are. It's very difficult when you're a curious person, when you're a person who wants to learn and experience. It's hard to understand how the rest of the world is functioning, but most people are not curious. And we have to remember that because there's a huge thing, you know, that's happening where we're angry and blaming everybody else, quote unquote, for not doing something where even with all the skill set in the world, you know, we could sit here and wonder, I mean, there's really very little we can do because the only way things actually change, if it's not through crisis, it's through intentional organization and effort. And I don't know how you would ever pull anybody into organized effort right now because so many people are divided and so sure that their way is the right way. And, and the simplicity behind all of this is we're all responding to this energy of danger that's moving towards us, whether we want to name it or not. It's like the, the woman here who's very much a wired for danger person, but you know, you put her in the high seas in a storm and she's up there doing whatever it needs to be done. But when it comes to war, she just is freezing up. She doesn't want to know about it. Uh, we're all aware at some level energetically that there's danger moving towards us, but most people can't deal with that. And they're not curious enough to want to ask questions to understand the experience of it. Most of the curiosity is how can we make it stop? How can we end it? And it really doesn't matter, right? If it's a war coming to our shore or it's cataclysm, you know, the sun goes boom. There's nothing we can do about the sun going boom, uh, but it's that same feeling, you know, intuitively, whether we're aware or not, that there's incoming danger. And, and that's what our nervous system then responds to. You know, we have that thought, that feeling, that subliminal uh, little idea sneaks its way in. You know, there's war coming, there's disaster coming, there's famine coming. And it's our danger, it's our nervous system that is responding to that. And the next step in that process, instead of just being reactive, is it doesn't mean you won't have the visceral sympathetic response. You will have hormones dumped into your body. You will have impulses to run away, to freeze up, to fight. But the capacity to step back from that, kind of at an observer mode, will be what saves you. When you are manipulated, when you're swept up, when you're overwhelmed, that's, that is when, you know, others, whatever, can manipulate you. They can control you. They can navigate you into uh, like a herd, right, off the cliff. That's the mob mentality. You know, the mob mentality takes over because people have, have stopped thinking. They've allowed themselves to stay within that flood of energy and 
not able to step back and out of it. You know, it's kind of a hypnotizing effect. Uh, And it takes a lot of strength and will and intention to be able to step out of that intense crisis, whatever your response is, to observe what's happening and make different decisions so that your impulse may be to run to the front line and fight. But when you can step back and observe, the the smart thing to do is to pull back and get out of the way, to stay out of the group and to use that time of focus when everybody else is pushing forward and to go find your way out of that situation. And that takes a lot of skill and mastery. The bigger the crisis, the bigger the fear, the bigger the danger. And and so, you know, we can talk about this stuff all day long, but the only reason it matters or works or is valuable is something to invest in. And investment is time, money, and energy, right? It's, it's thinking, feeling, doing, actions. Investment is going on within us all the time. You know, we talk about it from just a money perspective, but every minute of every day, our thinking, our feeling, our actions are all investments in our life, in our experience. And we have to decide what it is that we want to invest in. What kind of information is really valuable? Uh, You know, to me, that's the power of the journaling is I can do the purge, the dump. I can blurt out all the things that are spinning within me, taking up time, um, taking up space, you know, within my thinking and feeling and get those out. And then I can sort through and decide what's most important. What am I missing because I'm being swept up in the fear of it all? And that just takes somebody who wants to function in that way. And there's just so few people that are looking at this world as a way to become a master of self versus successful or safe. I just want to be comfortable. Leave me alone. Uh, I just want to I want, you know, great success. I want money. I want power. I want prestige. I want all these different things out in the world when all of that is about to be taken away from most of us. So again, that wasn't even what I was going to talk about today, but it's, you know, it's what's spinning in my mind. It's what's spinning within me as I, like you, am watching the world kind of go off a cliff realizing, well, there's nothing I can do about it, but my day-to-day needs don't change. You know, I still need food. I still need water, you know, the countdown, uh, because I have a small water supply now, because I'm physically carrying it with me in a very desert world. And, um, you know, how many days do I have? And what can I do? And, uh, you know, all these little tiny decisions that are consuming at a survival level are real, But there's this incoming energy of ever-increasing feelings of danger. And it's hard to stay in mastery of all these different processes. And again, you know, to me, that's the power of the journaling is it really helps me discharge. There's a physical release that comes when you journal. You can get that stuff physically out of you. It helps discharge the chemicals. It helps unlock in the mind, you know, thoughts that are spinning. It helps. It's like a to-do list. If you write a to-do list, then you can kind of let go of the energy of trying to remember everything that's incoming. So I don't really see a way to fix what's happening. I don't see a way to stop what's happening. Uh, I don't ever, you know, think there's going to be anything right about what's happening, but it's happening. And the best, you know, there's two things we can do. We can figure out who we are and how to best navigate it based on our way of being in the world, our thinking, feeling, acting, experiencing. And the step up from that is how can we use that to look at ourselves to become more 
of a master of self. And to me, mastery is the second part of life. The first part of life is survival, experience, development, going out in the world, you know, having family, kids, business, career, all that kind of stuff. The second half is the internal. All right, now I've done all that. Now what? And, you know, for the wire for danger person, you know, that uh, Musashi, Miyamoto Musashi, same thing. He pushed out in the world. He killed people, samurai. But eventually he stopped doing that. And the fight and the push within him became the issue versus pushing the energy out. So instead of going out in the world and master his ability to kill people, he chose to take that same push and turn it within and master himself. Same thing. If you're a flight person, if your instinct is to run away, how do you take that same runaway energy and shift it into either standing still long enough to pay attention to what's going on within you or to push forward, right? If you're a freeze person, how do you shift that freezing up in a point of crisis into the ability to start to take in more information, to be able to look and see and experience without shutting down. So whatever our natural inclination to deal with danger is, when we can understand what we're doing, then we can start looking at how to use that same energy to work for us as a learning process, a a growth process, an experience of truth process, doesn't mean you get to find out what you don't want to know, but uh, versus just a fear process, a fear danger response. I mean, that's the nervous system, sympathetic nervous system's primary uh, role is to keep you safe, but it can also be harnessed and utilized to become something more. Gavin DeBecker talks about that in uh, his, I've only read his first book, but he's just, I wish I could get, you know, the rest of them. But his first book, The Gift of Fear, you know, he talks about that natural fear response keeps us safe. And what happens when we don't, and that's what he was saying, the gift of fear, you know, women, almost every woman that he ever interviewed that was raped said, yes, I had that intuitive flash danger, but I didn't, you know, they cared what other people think. Well, I didn't want to, you know, I was embarrassed to cross the street. I was embarrassed to yell, get back. I was embarrassed to make a stink. You know, I'm uncomfortable with making someone else uncomfortable hindsight, you know, look stupid, get raped, right? I mean, it seems very logical, but that's how powerful this is within us. Uh, You know, what happens when we're in fear all the time is we lose the gift of it. We lose the impulse. We lose the instinct and intuition and flash of fear because we're afraid all the time. We can't discern what's real and what's imaginary, Uh, You know, when I was first started off in this process, it's been a little over a month now, my anxiety was so high, you know, and I wasn't concerned about, uh, I mean, it was real stuff, you know, the car, uh, you know, my trailer, my decisions, you know, can I do this? Uh, You know, I couldn't take in anything else because my anxiety was very high with just a lot of what ifs, you know, and it took time for that to kind of calm down. And, you know, that's just part of who we are and that's part of our process. But if we don't understand that, you know, it can be like a runaway horse. And then we're just in fear all the time. And every little loud bump is a catastrophe. So it's a fine-tuned process. It's the capacity to understand who's pulling our strings with fear What's real? What's the real danger versus the dangers that are being minimized so we go to sleep or maximized so we stay in a state of anxiety and uncertainty that is makes us unable to understand what's really happening? You know, it's all to me, it's all very simple and all very complex at the same time, but the real underpinning to it all, if you only take one thing, 
is the decision. It's like, do I, do I care? Do I want to understand who I am in this process? Or do I want to put all my energy into fighting the process itself or running away from the experience or freezing up and just not paying attention? We have to make that decision. We do it unconsciously until we make the decision to do it consciously. And the decision may be, I don't want to deal with it. And that is perfectly okay. Just like, uh, you know, the gal over here, she's capable, she's wired for the fight and she does crazy brave things. You know, I mean, can you imagine? And this was, you know, they're 75. So this was like, you know, 50 years ago, they're on a boat with no radio, no information, just trying in the little boat sailing around the world with their kids. They took their kids with them for a lot of it. And, uh, you know, she's, she's, I tried to get her to do an interview, but uh, she's, you know, talking about at one point, all they had to eat was octopuses because <laughs> that was all they could catch. No money. I mean, just really, she was a nurse. So they'd come back, he's fixed things, you know, they'd earn some money and they'd take off again. And, and so they've lived this tremendous life of adventure. And she and I were talking about, you know, they still don't have a cell phone. I can't imagine navigating the world right now without us. So they showed me, you know, they had this map and I said, well, you know, I really, like my apps right now because it's so stressful trying to do this by myself, you know, trying to, you know, keep the dogs from thrashing around while I'm lost, trying to see where to turn and everybody drives so fast, you know, and they're pushing me, you know, people behind when you go fast and they're pushing you and you just want to slow down and look, right? Because a lot of these little dirt roads are quick turnoffs. There's no sign. It's, and there's just, like all of a sudden, boom, you know, and so it's very stressful doing it by yourself. And so we were having that conversation and she said, yeah, I don't know if I could do any of this by myself. And I'm thinking, you know, yeah, there's two of you, but you guys have done way scarier things than I would ever be able to do. But she questions, you know, her ability to do it alone because she's been part of a team for so long. And so just because we're wired for danger doesn't mean we're good at everything dangerous. We just all have different places of comfort in the same way, same way, you know, some of us are wired to run away, but there's some things we won't run away from. And there's some things we will, I, you know, my favorite is, you know, guys who are super violent into fighting and you ask them about a feeling and they go into collapse mode. Like that's the most dangerous thing in the world. So we're all a mix. We all have different decisions and boy, this podcast went on way longer than I thought it would. But Again, you know, if there's only thing one one thing that you take is that we have this moment that's happening right now that is going to demand our attention because the danger is going to be ever increasing from this point forward. We can't stop that, but we can decide how we want to manage all of this externally and within ourselves and how we want to deal with it as something to fight against or something to fight for as an internal mastery. Uh, and no one, you know, can do that for you. That's your decision. That's your choice. And there's no right or wrong about any of this. I just like to understand all this stuff. It helps me feel uh, better about it. It doesn't make me happy about the fact that we're just sitting here watching uh, you know, people in charge sacrifice us for their need for power and control. Uh, you know, they, they're, you know, our politicians are protecting their tiny little world at the cost of everybody else. But that's been true since millennia. I was listening to the Magna Carta. I just, I'm learning more from these history podcasts than I am from the news. And John, who was the king at the time, uh, you know, what caused the, the locals or the local rulers to, to rise up against him, the amount of terrible, terrible, terrible things, I mean, starving people to death, I mean, just rape, pillaging, it was horrible what was happening, way past anything happening to us, and how long it took them to get organized, to do try to do something about it, because you know, monarchy is no different than what we've got going on right now, is you've got a, you know, a tiny percentage 
doing terrible things to everybody else and everybody else just sitting around watching it happen when the the numbers are for us, not them. So this has been a process that's been going on since, you know, our last 12,000 year cycle here. So uh, hopefully we might be able to change it for the next one. But for now, you know, I think the most important thing that we can do for ourselves is to make that decision and then just be okay with it. Who cares, right? If you don't want to look at or listen to all this stuff, I totally get that. It's a lot to ask to, to face our fears consciously and intentionally and try to become something within that process versus just defaulting and zoning out. I totally get that. I spend my period of time zoning out, trust me. So again, I am so incredibly grateful for any of you who are even here at the end of this thing that are willing to consider any of these ideas. These are the ideas that I think matter. Uh, You can talk politics, war, strategy all day long. We have zero ability to control that. The most powerful thing we have is what's going on within us. The most powerful tool we have is understanding our nervous system response and then harnessing that intentionally. And that's very, very, very difficult to do. So for those of you who can hear what I'm saying and are still listening, I am extremely grateful. For those of you who are investing within me in this process, whether you're just sharing this ideas, you're hearing these ideas, you know, you're putting money into these ideas, links below. Super, super, super grateful because to me, this is what's important. This is what's valuable. We will never stop insanity from the outside in. It only can be mastered from the inside out. And somebody has to stop yelling long enough to take the time to ask the questions within. Not what the answers are without, but what are the answers within. And with that, my friends, the dogs are now in motion. The sun is coming up. We are on par for having a beautiful week. I wish I could hold more water because it's just stunning here in terms of now that the wind has stopped and the temperatures. So we're just going to take a deep breath. I'm going to say thank you again for your support. Thank you again for those of you who've been hanging out with me. Thank you again for participating in this world with me in this way. And I will hopefully see you next time.